it's been so long since we've done a Thursday night gig, but here we go. I'll try to remember my my cues and my beats. But here we are. You may be seeing or hearing some things through the grapevine that uh, things are changing here at DadBod D&D. We are moving away from the DadBod uh, moniker and going more towards, not more towards, all the way in to Featherfall Tabletop. So you'll see that kind of popping up. We're trying to put formerly DadBod D&D for a while just so, you know, nobody freaks out. Not going to do what you think I'm going to do. Uh, and and we we just want to ease into this. Uh, so you're seeing some of the artwork change and the names change. And just know this. This is uh, for us to be more inclusive with the community and just feel like everybody and anybody can come and play a game with us and hang out and, and share a table with. But two, you're still going to get the same awesome content that we are throwing out there. We got our water deep going on. We moved that to Wednesday nights. Uh, you know, we, we want some Friday nights free with the family. So we move that to Wednesday nights. We have big announcement with a second campaign coming to the channel. Uh, that is The Gods We Know, run by Adam Aslamas. Uh, you've seen him on uh, some of the one-shots before. Uh, Ink, and, Ink and Ignorance, Da Doug, uh, Jen Quixote, and Cole Morales, I think. Did I get it right? Um You've seen them all on the channel before in various one-shots. They are coming together to create one magical force of uh, D&D 5e homebrew. Uh, so kind of excited about that. They're taking a week off, and then we got they'll do some session zeros on Tuesday the 24th or 23rd, whatever that Tuesday is. Um, 24. 24th, and then one more week off, and then they're going into session one. And uh, I'm excited to see where that goes. Tons of creative people there, uh, just ready to ready to go for the podcast. What you know as the podcast is now called Featherfall Table Talk, and we are we are here. Same same content. We're going to cover D and D culture, pop culture, news, and whatever's out there. We are sponsored by Skull Splitter Dice. Down below, get yourself ten uh, percent off your first order. Use the promo code DadBod. That may change soon, so just be on the lookout. They got tons of new dice coming in all the time. Uh, they got their blind bags. They got their metal dice. Uh, check them out. Quality, quality dice every single set. I think that's it for announcements. Anything? Miss anything? All right. So today, we, tonight, we are going to talk about... There's been a bunch of subclasses coming out in Unearthed Arcana, which is kind of exciting. It, it always, like... Always get a little bit excited when you get all these new options, right? It's more than just a spell, and, and you know we get a lot here. So we're going to talk tonight uh, mostly about the Sorcerer and Warlock subclasses that came out, and just kind of we'll run through some of the uh, the nuts and bolts of them and kind of our thoughts and feelings on them and, and how we might see them show up in a game. I will say this. It makes me want to get into a character creation <laughs> setting because it's like, ooh, I could have used this for my warlock, but no, I have to wait, and that's okay. I want to talk about the warlock first, just because that's kind of near and dear uh, to my heart right now. Playing a warlock in our Waterdeep campaign, um, so he is, or the warlock is the lurker in the deep. And I'll read the little intro blurb, and then we maybe we can discuss what our thoughts are on that. You made a pact with an entity that lurks somewhere deep in the ocean, or even on the elemental plane of water such as a mighty kraken or an ancient primordial or or a monstrous monst 
monstrous being from a cre from creation's earliest days. It's Thursday, man. I I am out of words. <laughs> you serve as this creature's eyes and ears, watching the world beyond its domain and reporting your findings. You may have gained this pact as a member of a cult dedicated to the entity, or after your patrons saved your life when you nearly drowned at sea. So there we are, the lurker in the deep. So I think this pairs nicely with uh, Salt Marsh that came out a while ago. You know, water-based campaigns, you might be on the water, but I think it could also work well inland, right? Because you know, we get those lines of being the eyes and the ears of this sea creature, so maybe they want some more info on what's going on inland. But what do you guys think of of this kind of skeletal structure of Lurker in the Deep? I like the idea of a warlock that has like wa a water base. I think that's cool. I don't know if I get a whole lot of how the that backstory kind of applies to a warlock. But I mean, obviously, given all the other details, it makes sense, you know, with the spells and everything. But that description kind of feel like it could apply to a lot of different characters. So I'm kind yeah. of curious to under. I would love to understand. I don't know if we ever will why they chose the warlock for this. Um, but other than that, I think I really like the the water idea. I've always kind of loved watery characters, water levels in video games. Different story. Mm -hmm. um, but I really like like you get crater destroy water and thunder wave and gust of wind and all these cool like cold or water things and it's just i love that whole that yeah. whole theme you could really it could really fit in with a lot of campaigns um and you could do a lot with the character from the water too because they could be a pirate they could be partially sea monster there's a lot of room to play with there yeah i think you know part of maybe why the warlock is you get this line in there you may have gained this pact as a member of a cult dedicated to this entity. So you have some sort of bond with this this uh, godlike being, right? So now you get your powers from that, as opposed to like a wizard who's studying, just studying, and and is kind of an unknown participant in in the cult. Uh, so I can see that there. And then I do like I like this better. I think I would be more prone to do picking this one. Uh, maybe the patron saved your life. You know, now you're, you're like in debt, you know. That makes sense. Yeah. Like, yeah, a water accident, and all of a sudden yeah, you're yeah. saved by whatever the patron is under the water. That That's that's really cool. Bob, what do you think? I don't, I don't know. I mean, for, for me, it, it's hard. Um, like, I love the amount of, like, choices you get um, mm -hmm. and, and the amount of choices that are coming out. But it, I, I feel like too much is going to just start blending classes, right? So it, it almost too much where you, so you, you talk about maybe some of the um, the barbarian that has mm -hmm. like magic powers before and if right. if you do too much of this, it starts to blend that class to the to the fact of you no longer need multi-classing. Like right. so you you essentially just negate a, an entire portion of the rulebook, albeit complicated as hell um but so i i want i kind of want to talk about that a little bit more do you guys think that sure. do you think it it takes away an entire like portion of the rule book doing this uh by by the blending of classes is that what you're, yeah. you're alluding to i think so definitely i don't like a barbarian that has a whole bunch of spell abilities right i that to me is like now we're getting into 
wizards and sorcerers, whatever. You know, I it, it's breaking the the stereotype of a barbarian, and I think some some parts in the game, it's it's nice to break those stereotypes. You know, we talked about racial ability scores a couple weeks ago. You know, let's those things are obviously in need of change, but classes are are different, and I do like the barbarian to be a barbarian. Give him some kind of flair and flavor that he can, or that the barbarian can be. That sets him apart because yeah, you uh, you're just muddy in the water, and everybody's going to be like everybody else, and then there's no individuality. Who cares what class you pick now, you know? Yeah, uh, and I agree with that. We've had this discussion before where each class should have its own unique characteristics, and the more everything has magic, the less the magic matters. Mm -hmm. Because now your barbarian can do stuff that they couldn't do before, and they can... I, I don't know. I don't know the spells that yeah. the barbarian gets out of this by heart, but yeah, it's just it, it does. It muddies the waters. It takes away the specialty of the magic, and I just don't feel like a barbarian in particular even is appropriate magic wielder without being like cross classed. It just doesn't. Yeah. It just yeah. doesn't fit there. Well, and, yeah. And there's reasons why in the multi classing guide you have to meet certain requirements in your in your scores right so you can't be a barbarian most of the time you can't be a barbarian that's also a wizard it's just hard because you got to put your stats in one or the other um where now if you're just giving the barbarian innate spell power then you're you're taking away that multi-class or or the idea of separated classes and you know Val in our Waterdeep campaign is the first time I've ever multi-classed and I'm kind of regretting it a little bit because we're level 4 characters but the the warlock that I'm tied to is only level 3 so I'm missing out on those things coming to me quicker. Yeah, I get sneak attack every now and then. Yeah, I get some expertise because I took a rogue but man, I really want that ability score improvement now. I want that level 5 pack boon and I'm missing out in that top end, you know, cause you can only go to 20 that top end. I'll never get to 20 warlock. And you know, I don't know. It's, it's kind of messing with me a little bit, but I don't totally regret it because I, I think I made the right choice thematically for my character. And if my warlock was more muddied in the waters, like we're talking about, I probably wouldn't have made that choice. And then, so now I'm getting the cake and eating it too. Kind of thing. You know what I mean? So, what what I what I think, and maybe you hit it just right, Chris. And what what I think is, I, I love the ability to have so much flavor to your character. I love that you you could you could take anything you want essentially mm-hmm. now with some of these new things. You know, you know, dipping into the homebrew world, all of this other stuff. You can have whatever you want with your character, but. With multi-classing, to be able to have your cake and eat it too, you get a penalty, right? So yeah. you get a penalty at the end of the game if you ever make it to level 20. Right. You don't get those level 20 legendary skills. It, it just It's not possible. Yep. Because level 20 is the cap for D&D. Now, we did a poll on Twitter, and feel free if you're in the YouTube world to leave a comment. Have you ever reached level 20? It was, it <laughs> yeah, was less than five so... percent 
And right. I think part of that 5% was even like, um, we did it just like as a one shot. Yeah. Yeah. And so, okay. Like I, I get it, but it, right. It, it just, it makes overpowered characters and it makes, so if I want to go vanilla barbarian, I am now at a weakness or a disadvantage to barbarian that is has magical powers, right? Because they can now mm-hmm. do all of these other things that right. I couldn't do before. Right. Um, I don't know. Yeah. But as for this, yeah. I, I think it's great. I love the idea of adding supplements. I kind of wish they would have done it in the Salt Marsh campaign. Yeah. That. Yeah. So that makes me wonder like where they are just in the playtesting of this you know maybe you know you you create something and then it spurs on new ideas it would be nice to be included in there um i i'm glad it exists i'm glad it's here that we can we can kind of mess around with it so but getting getting back into this uh, we'll, so we can kind of come go through some of the uh the features here i like what they're doing now in some of this stuff is they're giving you some ways to expand the flavor of your character. So they give you this little uh, box text here that says the lurker's clutches. Several features of the lurker in the deep create tentacles or a maw that reach into the world. So either like, you know, octopus tentacles or some kind of big uh, mouth that's coming in. The form of these appendages should reflect the nature of your specific patron, right? So you get a kind of pick, you get some play there and you get to decide what, what you want to be breaking out of, out of the earth as, as it, uh, as it comes in. But like most warlocks, you get some expended spell slots at first level. Uh, we don't need to go into those, I don't think. That's, you're already looking at the document if you're into this. But at first level, you get Grasp of the Deep, and I think this is pretty awesome. So you gain the ability to magically summon a spectral tentacle that strikes at your foes. As a bonus action, you create a 10-foot-long tentacle at a point you can see within 60 feet of you. The tentacle lasts one minute or until you use this feature to create another one. When you create the tentacle, you can make a melee spell attack against a creature within 10 feet of it. On a hit, the target takes 1d8 cold or lightning damage, your choice, and its speed is reduced by 10 feet until the start of your next turn. Uh, You get damage increase at level 10. As a bonus action, you can move this around up to 30 feet and repeat the attack. You get... get, uh, summons equal to the number of your charisma modifier and then you gain the, you get these back on a long rest so this is kind of like that spiritual weapon that clerics can cast once you do it now you have as a bonus action you got another attack there so you're getting two attacks right you're right. that fifth level second attack you're getting it at first level and this thing's doing some it's doing some magic damage so it's you're gonna you're gonna break through anybody who's got you know who's resistant to normal damage you're going to you're going to reduce its speed so now you can kind of maybe you're moving away from it you know i i'd like this a lot i think i think it's pretty cool what do you guys think i, I think it just adds flavor i love it i, I love yeah. the fact that you can do this like in and, and so when i think of these classes i don't think of them in like just a, a generic rpg setting i think of it in our game and in our mm-hmm. game how well 
which is shameless promotion. If you haven't watched our Waterdeep game, we do a great job of this. We RP so well. Every single person at the table does such an amazing job of RPing that with a tentacle like this, you're going to use it for more than just a, a straight attack. Right. Right. You can use it for so much. Yeah. I, I love it. I, I, you know, I, I put some negativity out there first, but I love <laughs> the idea of almost like, so my kids have been watching the descendants and, mm-hmm. um, there's Ursula's daughter in there. It's right. kind of almost yeah. like Ursula's yeah. daughter, right? You're just, the, you know, so. yeah, no, that's, that didn't even come up in my mind like an ursula like you know character you know you want to you want to make a disney character this ursula um and and this is not overpowered right 1d8 on a hit and then it only goes up to 2d8 and that's when you reach 10th level so it's not there to break a game and i think this is is something built in to add flavor to spice up combat i think that that's something like that can drag, but if you got something like this that you're moving this tentacle around and and it's easy to build flair into the the attack when everybody's seen an octopus tentacle, right? We we know what it looks like, and it's it's kind of fun to build into the uh, the combat, spice it up a little bit. Secondly, at first level, Scion of the Deep. So at first level, your patron accepts you into its inner court of servitors. You can telepathically communicate with any aberration, beast, elemental, or monstrosity that has an innate swimming speed while it's within 120 feet of you, the creature can understand you and you can respond telepathically. So again, at first level, we're getting like, I'm looking at that thinking total flavor, right? Total RP moments where where you're the one that can bail out your entire party. You have this ability and nobody else is really going to have this ability at first level, right? You're the one. Travis, how do you it's feel? interesting. It's interesting, but I don't. I mean, in the campaigns that I've played, Tome of Annihilation and Waterdeep, right. no you. We are nowhere near water. Right. Um, I'm getting a very Aquaman vibe from this, okay. but in that like jokey kind of way, where like, oh look what I can do. Hey fish, come here. Oh, but they can't do anything. Um, I know that there's a lot more monsters and stuff out there, but that's my initial thought. Yeah. It just doesn't seem like it's going to have that much use unless you're calling a big monster that can attack, but then that kind of becomes an NPC that I don't know you'd be able to control. Um, And otherwise you're just hitching a ride on a dolphin's tail or a fin or something. I don't, I don't, I don't see a lot of use out of this. Um, At Um, least maybe in RP situation. That's the only place I see that coming from. Definitely right place, right time, right? So this would be something like you would have to sit with your DM and decide what kind of campaign are you going to be in? Are you ever going to see this? But then I think a good a good DM is going to know what some of your special abilities are and be able to highlight you and throw in a sewer encounter, like a sewer encounter where you are going to encounter some of these so that at first level you can use this. You can let it flourish a little bit um, and put it in the spotlight. Bob, what do you think? I agree, and, and I, I think, I think what it, it stands out for me in this entire idea of this is it it does it, it does try and sell it towards a more water campaign. Which, hey, what water campaign just came out, right? So, yeah. I think it's just trying to add flavor to their already existing world, which isn't a bad thing. Um, 
you know, I, I, I love it. You know, I love it. I love the ability. If you're going to have a seafaring campaign, I, I think, oh. I, I think it suffers from part of the problem that rangers suffer from. Yeah, I was just thinking the same thing. Favored terrain. So, yeah, Travis, you talked about our Tomb of Annihilation campaign. Vinny had a favored terrain. He had a favored monster. We never, ever, ever right. encountered that monster. Right. And so it's, it's like, you know. It's kind of a bummer, right? Yeah. So if you go die hard into this, you, you make this water-faring character and you don't ever see water, you yeah. know, probably shame on the DM, but, it, you know. Yeah. Yeah, so that comes back to the many talks we've had of, you know, talking to your DM, session zeros, making sure you know what kind of campaign you can expect so that so that your cool shit that your character can do can actually be done. Right. Right? Because, yeah, if you never use this, then why the hell did we pick this guy? You know, uh, I'm going to steer, as a DM, I would steer you toward a different class. Like, well, you might get it, but most likely not, you know. But yeah, uh, Rangers came to mind. Exactly, like right away. <laughs> um, so you get you get from first level to, to sixth level, you get your normal warlock stuff, and then you get at sixth level, you get the fathomless soul. At sixth Ooh. level, your patron grants you greater abilities. You gain breathing both air and water, a swimming speed, and resistance to cold damage. So again, in the right setting you are now setting yourself apart from everybody else right if you're in a water-based campaign you're that one guy yeah you know, maybe there maybe there's another one in there that's got some uh potions of water breathing but you're the one you can dive in and you can always hopefully save the day right you are neo and <laughs> you are neo Sorry. um and and cold cold damage I, I don't know what the the breakdown is of monsters that do cold damage, but Not it's always nice to have. <laughs> it's always nice to have those kind of in your back pocket. Those those little yeah. things and, and like oh, I can you know I can uh, <laughs> I have resistance to get that you know and it's going to save you some time. And if it only saves you once, I think that's kind of cool. Uh, would have been great for the oni. <laughs> it's this cone of cold. <sighs> God damn. Uh, yeah. But. Yeah. What I don't love about this is that it's level six. Like it's obviously okay. a very powerful uh, ability, yeah. but we're what level four level in four. Waterdeep right now, and we're yeah. almost done. This right. is going to be really well suited for something where you're gaining a lot of XP, Good. or it's a long term campaign. Yeah. Um, yeah. So exactly. Now we're getting into those levels, though. Those kind of untouchable levels. You know, those ones that don't get a lot of play. Unless you start your campaign at a level five or level, well, I three. mean, level six is pretty regular. Level, you know, level six, yeah, I think we're there. But, but, <laughs> I mean, I've played two level six characters in my life outside of, you know, the the upper level one shots, you know. So it's not something you're getting there a lot. Yeah, I agree. It's there. I think that's I think it's cool. You do get one more upgrade at level six. That's the Guardian Grasp. So now we're going back to that tentacle that you can uh, summon as a as a bonus action, and move around at sixth level. It uh, it defends you and others. When a creature you can see takes damage while within ten feet of this tentacle, you can use your reaction to choose one of those creatures and reduce the damage by the chosen creature by half. After doing so, the tentacle vanishes. 
I think that, yeah. A perfectly timed Guardian Grasp is going to save the life of a party member, right? Absolutely. Like, so let's say I'm going back to Waterdeep. We have uh, Manshoon shooting that lightning bolt, right? If that tentacle's out there, he can swipe, you know, save one of those, one of uh, either Jax or Templeton, <laughs> you know, at the right timing, right place. Is that is Imagine that making that. a hard, <laughs> hard decision to do? Oh yeah, who are you gonna choose? Who you save? Um, who you save? But it's it's kind of cool because you're gonna have this tentacle out, right? So I imagine in combat you're gonna summon this thing and then bonus action use it. Right. So you're gonna have it there. You're gonna have it in the as kind of not a meat shield, but out there in the battle while the warlock is behind. So it's gonna be there. So you have decisions to make now when the big bad throws out his big fireball or whatever, like his insta kill, you got a choice to make and, and you're gonna you're gonna lose your, your guardian grass. But you have I would say you'd probably have three or so castings of this because it's your charisma modifier. And I I imagine you're at sixth level, you're up to three or four uh, modifier. But so there's that, and then you don't get anything in this until tenth level, which this one, this one's kind of cool. But again, we're getting into those levels where I hope I get here and 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 am able to use this. So at tenth level, you can draw forth a manifestation of your patron's insatiable hunger. As an action, choose a point you can see within sixty feet. For one minute, a translucent maw manifests in a 10-foot radius centered on that point. Each creature in that area, uh, when the maw appears, must succeed on a strength saving throw against your spell save DC or be restrained. Any creature that starts its turn in the maw's area takes 3d6 cold or lightning. Uh, you get to choose after when the damage is in effect. Uh, as an action, a restrained creature can repeat the saving throw. Uh, at the start of your turn, if there's a creature in the Maz area, you gain temporary hit points equal to your Warlock level. Once you use this feature, you can't do it again until a short or long rest. So this is like typical uh, Warlock spells back on a short rest. So, I I kind of... It, it's cool. Again, this is like flavorful, spicy combat, right? This huge jug coming out of the ground and, and you know, like Essentially, like, swallowing up people, restraining them. 3d6, that's a decent number of damage, but it's yeah. those temporary hit points that I think is the, the sprinkles on top. Agreed. I agree. I agree. Um, I, I love it. And, and I, like I said before, I, I think it's great. I think it's going to add so much to the flavor of combat because that, that probably is one of the biggest complaints that people have now is that combat's boring. And mm -hmm. it, it relies on the party and the DM and... and to make combat if you go straight raw core book it's boring right you just mm -hmm. i'm gonna hit this guy right yeah so i love it i think it's great I, i'm fully in behind this whole thing i don't it, and it lasts for a minute so i don't know if you can move it though that's the thing as an action choose a point you can see within 60 feet of you and now you have this 10 foot radius so like a doorway uh a, a path is going to be your friend but like I'm thinking, if you're just in this open field or the open ocean, uh, I'm just going around it. So you're kind of yeah, like okay, you had to use a little bit of extra movement, and now it's just there. So I'm glad it, I'm glad it comes back on a short rest then, it because it can be 
kind of uh, circumnavigated. Yeah. yeah, wasted a little yeah. bit. Uh, I'm trying to think of what. So my Storm King Thunder's game, Storm King's Thunder, uh, they have a spell that <laughs> I can't remember what it is, but they'll throw it out. And then we were in this huge area and all the bad guys just like go around it, you know, and he was <laughs> playing a warlock too. So it was like one of those coveted spell slots and now it's just, you know, it's kind of wasted. Right. So uh, you, you definitely you got to pick the right time to do this. Uh, we do get the rules on uh, temporary hit points, not stacking. I'm glad this was out because I was doing it wrong. Uh, so it's good <laughs> to know you can't stack your hit points uh, that you can replenish though. So, all right. Fourth level, 14th level, excuse me, we get Unleash the Depths. Uh, this one is almost, I don't want to say game-breaking, but like game-changing for sure. 14th level, you gain the ability to call upon your patron for aid. As an action, you choose a point within 30 feet of you where your patron tears through reality, manifesting a measure of the thalassic grandeur. Choose one of the following effects to issue from this manifestation point. Once you use either effect... You can't use this feature again until you finish a long rest. So you can choose to transport or you can choose fury. Transport you and five willing creatures of your choice that you can see within 30 feet of the manifestation are grasped by the spectral tentacles and yanked through the patron's realm. The tentacles teleport you and the chosen creatures to a point of your choice within 100 miles that you have visited within the past 24 hours. The tentacles then vanish. Yeah. What do you think? Dude, that that is that is game breaking. It it would be it would be tough as a DM to just be like, oh I'm cool with this. <laughs> right. So I I'm thinking back to Tomb of Annihilation, right? We're getting our ass kicked. Okay, fuck it. Let's get out of here. Let's go regroup. Funny We've story <laughs> that wouldn't work into him. There was Okay, a, so yeah, a, yeah, there's some kind of anti magic yeah. field or whatever, but but something like that where you're just getting waxed. Like, okay, let's get out of here. I like that that's there as kind of a, a safety net for your party. Um, I, I think... So you get it back after a long rest. It almost seems like that should be like maybe a, a couple days. You know what I mean? Like There are some spells mm -hmm. or, or effects out there that are like, you can only do this once a week. You know, just because it's so draining. I feel like I wouldn't want this to be overused. You know what I mean? Because anytime you try to up the ante as a DM, they're just like, "Okay, we're coming out." Well, and and how do you step how do you in, stop that out. from being overused? Though I think that's part of the concern would be it's just it's just there. It can use it whenever right. you want. Right. I I I would think my pa the patron is going to start demanding a little bit more. If this thing's used all the time, that patron's going to visit yeah. you a little bit more. <laughs> it's gonna it's gonna make sure that you are paying up because this is an expensive. Right. ability this is an expensive tool and you're constantly calling on this this kraken to come and save your ass you know well it's time to pay the piper you know um the second one is fury uh you direct a barrage of spectral tentacles to issue forth and strike up to five creatures you can see within 30 feet of the manifestation point each target makes a dexterity saving throw against your dc on a failed save the creature takes six d10 cold or lightning and is knocked prone on a successful save, it takes half damage and is not knocked prone. The tentacles then vanish. So, kind of cool. You're able, like, you know, area effect, kind of knock down a bunch of, of people. Um, and, like, 
I guess you're level 14, so what would be the typical kind of cannon fodder that's coming at you at level 14? Yeah. Six- I mean, level 14 is really tough. Yeah, so I, I don't know that you're going to one-shot a bunch of, you know, like, gob- I'm thinking, like, lower-level goblins coming at you. Right. You, know, you could just one, you know, just tentacles just wiping them off the board. Um, but you're definitely going to put a big dent with 6d10. Uh, you know, that's, what is that, like, 30 point yeah. minimum yeah, or average? Yeah, I would agree. That, that's going to be me. really tough to do. Right, and now you now you got a, a, a vast amount of people that have taken some damage, at least if they failed. But. Uh, and again, I keep, I, I'm thinking like uh, the DM side, like these, these things are going to cost you. Oh yeah. As a player. Yeah. Like, cause I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna let you just thump this, uh, this, uh, attack or, or get out of there. Like it's going to cost you. So as a DM though, how are you going to keep some of these things from happening? Like transport, I can make some sense out of like with some kind of magical barrier or something. What, how are you going to deny fury in a way that doesn't totally like piss off your player? I have no idea. I've never DM, so I'm just curious what how yeah. you would approach that. In either, I mean, transport or fury. Honestly. That's tough. Well, I'll I'll uh, step aside for the DM here. Uh, if he wants to fill in first, but I know I know what I would kind of do, or at least an idea of what I would do. And I think it would come out in like early session, knowing that this exists. Like, hey, when we if we get there, know that these are going to cost you. Like your patron, your patron owns you as a warlock, right? And if you're going to call on them constantly, they're going to call back on you. So whatever uh, pact you have made with your patron, like it's going to have to pay up, you know, and I think that's the way you do it. So you make the player really have to think about it is now the time is now the time that I want this to come out or mm, can I wait? But then is that a DM handcuffing a player? Well, and I think that's when it comes out early, like get this out of the way early. You know what I mean? We know it's, we know this stuff exists. We know it's there. I don't want to handcuff you, right? but I also don't want you breaking the game i don't and i don't like using game breaking because i i don't think it does it's just it makes things a little more tricky but i want to make sure like to me you're just being true to the to the character to the way warlocks are written right patrons are the one tying your hand not the dm you know what i mean like the patrons are the one that that's keeping their thumb on top of you keeping you oppressed and keeping you in check not so much the dm so just open lines of communication so that you're not just slipping the rug out from under them. You're, you're making sure that it's something that's been thought about. Yeah. Yeah. I get what you're <laughs> saying, but like part of me on the player side, like if, if it's there, it's there for a reason for the players to use, yeah. you know what I mean? And so I don't want to be, I don't want to be the one that goes, yeah, right. about that. <laughs> Sorry. Exactly yeah. why I asked the question. Yeah. Yeah. So again, you know, getting, those dialogues started early, I think. And again, who knows? You know, who knows, like what's going to happen? But yeah. And and this is playtest material, so it could it could be a changed product in mm-hmm. in the end of it, anyways. But and that's all. The that's thing- all you get. Oh, go ahead, Travis. I was going to say, going back to transport a little bit. My initial thought was, wow, a hundred miles is a long distance. 
But then I remembered or noticed, because I missed it when you said it, the 24-hour rule. Right. You have to have visited it. Yeah. And there's plenty of places you could have visited within 24 hours, but at least that keeps it very limited because 100 miles is a long way to transfer. Yeah. So, yeah. And that seems like it's pretty well within the range of if you're fighting something big, like, say, the uh, Asrak at Tomb of Annihilation, I imagine he could very well disappear where you went. So <laughs> at least yeah. there's a, yeah. a decent restriction there. I do yeah. like that. Yeah, and typically, I mean, if you're on foot, you're you're going 30 miles a day maybe. You know, I, I, that might be a little much on foot. On carriage, you're going 30 miles a day. You know, so in a linear, yeah. you know, so the DM's going to have a good idea of where you're going to transport to. So that's not going to be too, like, out of left field for the DM, you know. I think it's cool. I definitely, I love it. I love both of them, Transport and Fury. I, I'm just, I, I would be a little hesitant being a DM with this out there. Um, yeah. And, but that's the DM's yeah. job is to figure out ways to, you know, play the players, right? Counteract them and, and make sure that it's challenging for them. Not not to handcuff them, but make sure things are challenging and fun. Um, right. I agree. Yeah. I, I'm in no way, like, advocating for the DM to take things away from their players. I, <laughs> I, I'm just – You did. I, I just want to make – I just want to make sure that fun is being had. But along with this – so that's it for, you know, uh, you get all your normal Warlock stuff outside of that but there is a new spell here a cantrip um it's a psionic themed spell called mind sliver uh usable by sorcerer warlock and wizards uh this is a cantrip so one action range of 60 feet verbal duration one round so you drive a disorienting spike of psychic energy into the mind of one creature that you can see within range the target must make an intelligence saving throw Unless the saving throw is successful, the target takes 1d6 psychic damage. But wait, there's more. And the first time... and th This is weird. This is going to take planning. But the first time it makes a saving throw before the end of your next turn, it must roll a d4 and subtract that number from the save. And then you get your normal increases in uh, damage. So it's 1d6 psychic damage. I, you know, What are you going to come across that has immunity to psychic damage? Not a whole lot, especially you know, using these cantrips. But if you are in, in tune with a party member that has spells for saving throws, you're helping them out. So you're you're kind of a support in that in that way. I, I like these spells that, that add these these disabilities and not just like, hey you have disadvantage, but D four. You know, so it's it's not game breaking. You're not You're just chipping. Yeah, yeah. You're you're helping out. It's gonna you know, it's gonna save you one time. But it's not overwhelmingly enough. Mind spike is probably not going to be, or mind sliver, excuse me, it's not going to be all that used. I mean, you have Eldritch Blast, use that. Yeah. I, I, I think for me, um, I love them. You know, one thing that kind of irks me personally is all of these unearthed arcanas that get released have their own little spell, but there's <clears> no like one place for them all. I would love yeah. to have just a released book PDF of everything that's been released Please. right outside of you know PHB yeah Xanathar's right yeah and and that way you know I, I can figure out what I'm doing because <laughs> like it is so hard to find it now there mm -hmm. are I will say there are very good websites that do this already like Don John does it 
Um, there, there's a few others that, that put them all together. But then that's also a problem in the fact that if your DM doesn't allow outside you know, material, because right. right. Don John and I think it's D&D 5e Wiki or something, it, it does have some homebrew in there. So it, it, it is it can be tough to navigate. That's why I kind of mm-hmm. want an official, here's everything that was released supplement guide. Mm-hmm. Even just yeah. something on their website that links you to each thing. Because if I like when I went to go find the, uh, the artificer at first, it took me a little while to find it before they released the modification. Mm-hmm. It's it's very disorganized. You kind of have to do it all yourself, or hope somebody else is doing it for you. Yeah. So the casual D and D player is probably not going to get into this kind of stuff, right? This is more for people that are into it and, and really want to dig deep. I will say with D and uh, D&D Beyond has Mind Sliver already um, in there, you know, so you can you can access that. You can, I don't think it's locked behind, you know, I, it's not locked behind a paywall or anything. You know, you don't have to buy any content uh, yet. Um, but yeah, I agree with you. It would be nice to have a consolidated, like, hey, here's all the new shit. Um, but you know it's going to be in some book that's coming out, that's in the pi- down the pipe, it's uh, it's coming, but th- that's that's one of the frustrations. You know, that's that's the hit to the pocketbook. Is if you want all of these things, especially in D Beyond, you got to buy all the all the the books and all the supplements and such. So, all in all, I really like it. I do. I'm kind of wishing that because this one's water themed, I kind of feel like it'd be cool if they had made variations for like like a lava fire type or something. That's a great with idea. With the same. Same stuff, just it's fire now instead of yeah. instead of that. Well, I think just that alone would be a really cool addition because then yeah. you can kind of flick, mix it up with what you want your character to be, and it makes it more adaptable to different worlds. Hey, wizards, yeah. great idea. Yeah, but it, so I think that's an easy fix if you you know getting with your DM talking about that because this it could be a, something from the deep ocean or from the elemental plane of water. I think you can easily say, okay, I'm coming from the elemental plane of fire. Instead of tentacles, I just want like magma tentacles coming out and grasping, magma. you know, yeah. magma, a liquid hut. Uh, so it, would, it wouldn't be too hard to kind of reskin some of that uh, and make sure, you know, I like fire better. So let's make that happen. Yeah, I agree. Um, but but then you're getting kind of weird when it gets into the swimming speed and that kind of stuff. But um, you could swim you in know, magma. True. You could uh, figure it out. Um, so that's that's the warlock. I don't think we're gonna have time to get to the sorcerer. Maybe uh, we'll save that one, put that in the back pocket. Uh, mm-hmm. But I will say these are linked on the the D and D Dungeons and Dragons website. Check them out. Play with them. Uh, they do have surveys out there after a while that you can give your feedback, and they love your feedback. Right now, the survey is out for the the barbarian and uh, what was the other one? Er- Monk. monk there's a monk yeah. barbarian and a monk the the survey's out for that so if you've played those and you've kind of uh, got your hands dirty uh please give them the feedback because the more that we give them the more they're going to give us and and i think that's a good thing uh at some point it's going to be too much but i think it's a good thing i like i like this i like it a lot i like it a lot so i think that's it guys that's uh all we have for uh featherfall table talk uh, that's right. You heard it. If in case you missed those announcements, we are changed to Featherfall Tabletop. 
Uh, this is our weekly show, Table Talk. Don't, it's, it's a twister. Um, but I will say to everybody out there who's listening to this or has listened, uh, thank you so much for just being a supporter of what we are doing. And uh, honestly, we wouldn't have gone through this name change and some of the, uh, the hurdles that uh, presented itself with that if we didn't have people out there listening to us and supporting us and showing up on our streams and, and hanging out. Uh, it, you guys make it, everybody out there just makes it worth it. Um, and we really appreciate that. So know that uh, uh, you are not forgotten in all of this, uh, this mix up. Well, not mix up. I don't want to say mix up. It's just rebranding and, you know, shuffling around, but there we are. So <laughs> legendary action. You did. It's okay though. <laughs> uh, shut up at the end. Um, but again, thank you for anybody that's out there, uh, Podcast Land. We don't know who you are, but I see the numbers, and we appreciate you. Uh, those numbers are climbing all the time, and it's super fun and interesting to watch that happen, uh, knowing that people are out there. But we appreciate everybody out there. We are Featherfall Tabletop. Thanks for hanging out. That's the Table Talk session. We'll see you uh, Wednesday. Wednesday for Waterdeep, guys. It's usually tomorrow, man. I'm like, now I want to play Waterdeep tomorrow. It's a <laughs> son of a bee. Fractured right. timelines, guys. Yeah, Wednesday. <laughs> we'll see ya. <laughs> Bye.